Shane, I have no idea what episode we're on. Episode 30-something. Like I said last week, it's like a bad sitcom. No one wants to watch the Rocktown Sports Pod episode 30-something. <laughs> Rockingham County's only all-local sports podcast. That's my story. I'm sticking with it. I'm not sure if it's true or not. I'm pretty sure it is. Shane Metlin. Uh, do you know him from the JMU men's and women's basketball beat? Uh, but during the fall, you know him for Bridgewater College football. Shane, thanks for joining us today. How are you? I'm good. How about you? I'm doing all right. That 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 Bridgewater team five and zero now. Yes, five and zero, running roughshod through the first five games of its schedule. And and here's where why we're bringing you in today, Shane, to talk about Bridgewater College football is in Wednesday's paper. You got a pretty neat article uh, on the Eagles and this really. I don't want to say weird, but a different kind of offense that they they're running to try to. It's pretty. It's a very in depth article. It's which means in, in newspaper speak, it's long, uh, but it's worth it. I mean, it didn't read long. I think I read it, and you know, it didn't take me long to read it, but it was very informative. And just try to, you know, almost like a. Uh, an appendix, if you will, to uh, uh, to your story. I mean, what is this offense all about? It is a hybrid of a lot of different things is probably the best way to describe it. Or as uh, offensive coordinator Scott Lim described it, a smorgasbord. When he was telling me that he didn't know what to name it, he called it a smorgasbord. And I said, well, there you go. That that should be your name. But I don't know if he uh, if he jumped on board with that or not. But uh, Bridgewater College offense <laughs> sponsored by Wood Grill. I can yeah. see it now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or do, do we have any Swedish restaurants around here? I, I don't, don't know believe we so. Do. Plenty yeah. of German ones. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but um, it it's a smorgasbord, like you said, because it's you know you're going to the buffet and you're getting a little bit of everything with uh, what they're doing. You know, they might be in a two tight end set one time and then come out with five wide receivers the next, and it's almost like as much as the formations and the look can drastically change what they're actually doing doesn't change a lot which is kind of the most interesting thing about it it's just <clears throat> you don't know what you're looking at a lot of times and i think which is you know the key for it to it when you're presenting it against opposing defenses even me as somebody who sees it weekly i was just confused which is why i sat down to write the story and talk to them about like okay you got to explain this to me because i'm not a football expert in that regard when it comes to, you know, the tactical aspects of it. You're no there, Greg Medea is what no, you're saying. I'm not. I'm not. Yeah. And there are a lot of guys who cover the game, who cover it differently than I do when it comes to that regard. I'm, you know, admittedly a little bit more of a basketball guy and, you know, a football fan, but never played it at any kind of high level at all. I played eight-man football growing up, and it's a completely different game, really. And so there's a lot of stuff that I just didn't understand, and I eventually just said, okay, we got to sit down for a while, and you just explain to me what you can explain to me. And it was really, really interesting. What I thought was interesting, among many things in the article, was you talked to the uh, the, the former offensive coordinator, and his name escapes me right now, uh, Billy Reebok. Yes, yes, and and he brought up an interesting point on how you know, hey, it took you know half the season last year because we're Division three. You know, you mm-hmm. don't, you know, you come in at the end of August or middle of August. You're not in there like you know all year long. You are at a Division one level working on an offense, and, and you gotta, you kind of, it's it's a it's a process. Yeah, uh, to learn it. Yeah, they're not 
doing the same kind of spring and off season drills that you know a Division One team is, and these guys don't live in the football facility like you know a lot of you know a Power Five conference is expected to do. You know, they're actually on campus in class with the rest of the student body. It, it's not the same kind of thing. So yeah, it did take them some time last year once this was installed and the ideas were there to really get the hang of it because it's a lot of moving parts a lot of things are different from snap to snap that are just little things that are different where you know even if the overarching philosophy is not the same it just looks a lot different from play to play which is what's confusing i thought you know reebok put it the best when he said we tried to figure out a way that created chaos for the opposing defense but didn't confuse us and it confused them for a little while but they started to get together halfway through last season and it's just you know been perfectly executed so far this season when you were out there last season did you do you remember or recall seeing maybe some of that confusion that they were doing while running it yeah, to a degree, and, you know, one thing that gets overlooked a little bit, even by me, that I maybe don't give enough um, play to, was that Jace Scroggins was playing with an injured thumb for part of last year, which made just executing a lot of things um, more difficult. You know, I think, you know, maybe we're giving him too hard of a time when we say his decision-making has drastically improved. Maybe it wasn't always poor decisions it was just an inability to do what he needed to do he physically may, he, at may, times. he may agree to an extent but i yeah. I, I do think he kind of he takes some of the responsibility there's some, yeah. there, there's some truth to both yeah. aspects of that um you know the more you talk to people about it but where were we on uh talk about last year yeah um yeah they but you know going back to last year there was a time i think when things started to click more and not a coincidence that when they did the turnovers kind of went away because, you know, <clears throat> when you've got the other team fooled and things are opening up for you, you're not forcing those plays where, you know, you're either getting gang tackled by three guys who are stripping the ball or you're throwing it into traffic. You're not just not doing those things when the field opens up for you. I guess this year, uh, when you're out there, I mean, how much of that chaos do you see from the defensive side? I mean, do they know what's going on, uh, the, 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 the opposing defenses? Do they have any idea what's happening? You know, I feel like they do to some degree, but it's just, you know, maybe they're not as um, distracted by different formations and stuff the more they see Bridgewater on film. But you really just don't know, like, what's going to happen. They're running so many things with motion um guys you know setting up jet sweeps with you know a guy in motion three times in a row and then you know the next time he goes in motion they're not giving him the ball and jace Scroggins is rolling out the other way and uh, they're like oh no it's going the opposite way we thought and then he turns around and throws it back across the field and that guy's standing wide open because they forgot you know it's just there's a lot of chaos in that regard because so much of this happens and so much of the decision making happens after the snap and that allows, you know, Scroggins, who's so experienced, to read what's going on across the line of scrimmage and really, you know, you know, football coaches say it all the time, we'll take what you give us. And Bridgewater's doing that to a lesser to a degree where they're taking what's 
given to them even after the snap of the ball, which, you know, <clears throat> I guess the other thing about the story that I wrote is, you know, halfway through kind of like the uh, big twist is Mike Clark saying, you know, we're an option team. I'm like, <laughs> and like, oh, really? Because it doesn't look like the option to me but, at all. But it has elements. Of, yeah. Of a lot. I mean, you, you talk about it's got some elements of RPO in it, uh, and it's got some elements of the mm-hmm. option, and it has some elements of the spread. I mean, it just seems like. But it doesn't look like those things. It, it looks like its own thing. And it's, yeah, it's really interesting when someone who has the knowledge of it kind of sits down and takes you through it and you're like, oh, well, I did not know that at all. So you can't guess what it looks like. I mean, it, and it's when you're sitting up in the yeah. press box watching this offense line up, I mean, it doesn't look like anything to you other than what Bridgewater runs? Really? Yeah, it really doesn't. And, you know, because it varies so much from play to play. It, it's, you know, one thing when you talk to Mike Clark on a weekly basis about ODAC football is, you know, he's a defensive guy and he brought, you know, these guys in to kind of take over the offense and you know freshen things up offensively because he is a defensive guy so he looks at it from a defensive point of view and coaching in this league that there's a different style to get ready for every week you got you know your randolph macon who runs that traditional uh, option offense and you've got you know a shenandoah that looks more like uh texas tech in the mike leach heyday where they're spreading the ball all over the place and throwing it all over the place and it's a different look each week from you know it's seven different looks from nine different teams in this conference and you're adjusting week to week but bridgewater's doing that play to play really (laughs) it's the crazy thing about it how i mean not taken away from anyone on the offense but i mean how pivotal is a seasoned quarterback like like jay scroggins a 50-year senior i mean how pivotal is he to making sure this works he is the key and you know that's that's part of the reason that it's working like it is right now is because you really look at it this is like the second season of jay scroggins doing it and i don't think you throw a freshman especially at the dt D3 level. You don't throw a freshman or a sophomore out there and get the same results. Oh, no. I mean, yeah. you, just, you, you just wouldn't. Um, you would. The system is set up to create some advantages for you, regardless of who the quarterback is. But the fact that the quarterback is able to make the reads, make the decisions, not make really many mistakes at all here for the last nine games. You know, going back to last year, that is the reason they're been an exceptional team so far this year. And, and this offense is uh, is currently under the the, the guide of uh, Lem, who's who said is a, who you mentioned earlier, and he's a former All American offensive lineman at, at James Madison. Uh, goodness gracious, they're scoring forty point eight points per game, four hundred forty two point eight yards of total offense per game. I mean, that's just. And that's calling the dogs off in the second half. Yeah, much that's every insane. Week. I mean, if yeah. they're if they're four not, of the five games that ha- they haven't been trying to put up a lot of points in the second half, it almost seems like if Michael Clark really didn't care about his uh, his legacy among other coaches, he, this this offense would be going six fifty a game. They, they they could. I mean, easily easily, this is an offense capable of doing 500, 550 yards per game. I mean, e- easily. E- you're not even like stretching it at all to think that because they've really the fourth quarters of these games 
have not been them trying to rack up yardage. This graph is very telling to me in your story. Yes, it's kind of like a shotgun spread, except the quarterback is under center. And sometimes there are two tight ends, so the field spreads as the play develops. There's a bunch of pre-stat motion, misdirections, key. I mean, where does where does Demetrius Gillette fall into this whole deal? I mean, he's still getting his yards, and it, I mean, it just seems like it. You know, is he is he uh, is he a traditional running back in this system, or is he more of a hybrid guy? He, he is the one guy who's maybe the more traditional running back. Um, he he's you know lining up at the tailback position, but at the same time, they're doing different things with him every week. You know, it looked like early in the season he was going to be the guy who rushes. 20 times for 100 yards every game and then you know as other teams adjust then he's become a pass catcher out of the backfield or you know um maybe even a decoy at times because teams have kind of focused on him and then you know one of the things we'll just take a step back one of the things that um that all the coaches i talked to kind of highlighted as an interesting aspect of this is how they're able to use players to their strengths. It's not we got to find guys to plug into what we do. It's we can change what we do to fit our guys. And you look at like a Demetrius Gillespie's, he's playing tailback because nobody else on this team can make the zone reads against the defense and see where the hole is opening up from the backfield the way he does. But you look at a guy like Jared Denham, who's really excelling this year, has five or six touchdowns already and, you know, making some huge plays. He started out as a tailback but couldn't do that. So they found he didn't have that kind of vision. So they found way he fit into this offense. And he's the guy who's, you know, maybe lining up as an up back if they, you know, decide to play somebody there or in a wing position or as a wide receiver. And he's getting balls thrown to him. He's taking in the rounds, jet sweeps, pitches where he just gets the ball out in space and his speed can just go to work. So, you know, that's kind of the thing that, you know, you kind of point to this coaching staff of what they're able to do and why this maybe works at the division three level so well, or, you know, if you read the story that comes out tomorrow, it was something that worked really well at rice where, you know, they, you know about the academics of Rice, they're not able to recruit the same kind of guys that a lot of teams are. So they're able to cater the system to their players rather than saying, we got to find guys who can line up and, you know, run smash mouth football because that is what we do. They, you know, there isn't a, this is what we do. We do what works. You you read my mind on the Rice thing. I was just about to bring that up. How you got to go back into the, uh, the, the, the you know the, the origins if you will of this style uh, of offense which really has no style I guess but this unstyled offense yeah. if you will hey this team Bridgewater College uh, nine straight game nine straight wins dating back the last season at least thirty seven points in seven of those nine wins and then they're welcoming Ferrum uh, to Bridgewater Saturday. For homecoming should be a raucous crowd with a five and zero. Bri- I mean, it's always a decent crowd for homecoming to Bridgewater yeah. College. But when your football team is five and zero, is getting uh, others receiving votes uh, in the Division three uh, poll, probably looking to snake their way in here at some point. You'd imagine in the near future. I mean, that atmosphere Saturday is going to be wild. And and you know what 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 does does 
what's Farum all about? Do they? I mean, are they going to figure this offense out? Are they the first team to figure this offense out? I would guess no. <laughs> Just you know, to put it bluntly. Um, Farum has been a solid team this year, but you know, you look at the ODAC. It is interesting. You look at the schedule. It almost just works out perfectly that it's a step up in competition week to week here for uh, Bridgewater here the next two weeks where it's more than likely going to set up to be a de facto conference championship game when Randolph-Macon comes to town, just the way it's working out. And, and you know, Pedro Azura has got to be watching this offense wondering, you know, what can I do? Or the head coach at Randolph-Macon, you know, what can we do to stop this? Yeah, because, you know, this doesn't count in their nine-game winning streak, but they really kind of started to turn it around uh, the week before in a loss to Randolph-Macon. They scored 41 points in an overtime game and uh, didn't end up coming away with a victory. But, you know, playing that well on the road against the ODAC champions kind of pointed towards the direction things were heading. Yeah, it got it got the compass pointing north at yeah. that point for Bridgewater. And I think I called him uh, Azura. It is Aruza. Pedro Aruza is the head coach at Randolph Macon. I apologize to all our uh, Ashland, Virginia listeners out there <laughs> in uh, TV land or podcast land. Shane, anything else you want to add about this story that I didn't ask you? Ah, not that I can think of. I, I kind of my brain is a bit mush after uh, sitting down and sorting through all that but yeah well it was, it's a good read folks i recommend you give it a shot shane metlin thank you for joining us as always we'll talk to you next week but all right thanks well since it's a podcast it, it makes no sense for me to make fun of uh, cody elliott's beard and, and really i'm not even talking about making fun of him uh it's more of a respect thing because i'm jealous i cannot grow facial hair uh despite my italian uh my Italian origins and ethnicity, it is impossible for me. Cody has actually seen a photo. I actually I tweeted out a photo. Excuse me. I thought it was photoshopped. No, when, <laughs> when I grew my uh, 2010 Chicago Blackhawks uh, playoff beard, and, and I used the word beard loosely. Anyway, uh, Cody, we usually lead with you on the Rocktown Sports Pod, uh, Rockingham County's only all-local sports podcast episode 30 something again but we started with shane i hope you don't mind you you're you're bringing up the rear that's all right that's Uh, all right uh i think uh i mean if we're talking football games this week uh high school wise as as, you know if you're here cody we're talking high school football i think really we just got to begin and kind of end with uh the big one uh turner ashby uh we still call them the surprising knights i don't know five and one five and one yes the five and one knights uh, it's already surpassing their win total of the past win total of the past two seasons combined. Go over to Penn Laird and face the Shen Valley Seven, number one undefeated Spotswood Trailblazers. Is this going to be a doozy, or are we kind of looking at Spotswood flexing their muscles and letting the rest of the city county know, uh, uh-uh, you ain't touching us? Well, I mean, I think they certainly did that last week in terms of letting the rest of the Valley District know. Um, you know, everybody kind of thought that game last week against Rockbridge was going to be um, at least a little closer than what it was. I mean, I don't think anybody expected them to go down there and beat them by 45 points. Um, so they went down there and kind of flexed their muscles there. I think if you're TA, the best news for them is the fact that, you know, can they do that again? Can they put forth such a strong effort back-to-back weeks? Now, 
obviously I think Spotswood goes into this as the favorite. Um, they've they've got the experience, they've got the depth, they've got all of that. Um, right now that team just looks loaded from top to bottom, offensively, defensively, special teams, everything. There doesn't seem to be a weak point on that team right now. Um, I think if, if the the one area that at least TA's got to feel good about, um, I don't know that they necessarily have an advantage here. In fact, I know they don't, but they have to feel like in terms of when you look at these Valley District teams, in terms of experience and guys who have been there and guys who have played a lot of games, they're probably the one team that does have the closest amount of seniors and experience there to match up with them in terms of guys like Grant Swinehart, C.J. Haskins, Jesse Knight, and those guys. Um, Now, they haven't played in big games like this. Obviously, they've had back-to-back two-win seasons, but they've had a lot of games under their belt. Maybe that kind of helps them in a game like this. But, um, yeah, I mean, this this is the one, I think. You know, last week we thought that was the one, and, and then both teams won, and now we have spots with TA. Um, I don't see Broadway, Harrisonburg, or Waynesboro competing for that district title this year. So I think this game ultimately is the one that probably decides the district championship. You know, we, we, we talk about the experience, and you mentioned, you know, how TA is probably in, in terms of seniors may be able to match up uh, in terms of seniors with Spotswood. But – I mean, how much does the fact that Spotswood has been a pretty dominant team for uh, now in its second season of, of I would say, dominance other than the, the East Rock hiccup, uh, the open to season last year, and then the obviously the playoff loss in the first round uh, to Liberty Bedford? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. You know, but but in terms of uh, – I lost my train of thought, Cody. Help me out here. Where was I going here? Oh, in terms of a hunger. I mean, right. you know, how hungry is Spotswood to, to – to, to finish this up and I guess how hungry is TA on the other side of it to to make a point yeah I mean I think it's an interesting matchup because I think spots would kind of you know I think they get tired of hearing kind of the talk that they are in danger at all because I feel like they feel they are confident enough to feel like they're significantly better than a lot of teams around here and and so far it's certainly looked that way um and like you said i think that loss to liberty bedford is still in the back of their minds and i think that's what you see and why they've dominated i mean outside of east rock without their quarterback they've dominated every single opponent they played this year um you know and then on the other side of that ta like you said they're hungry for to prove that they're you know, and I, and I think we're past saying proving they're legitimate because I think they've shown that. Yeah, they're legitimate. Um, but they want to show that they belong in the conversation for that district title this year. They they truly believe that. And Chris Fraser told me last week after the game against Broadway that you know these are the these are the games that they wanted to play in, and this is what they've been striving for, um, especially after what they've been through. This is you know this is a TA team that has had four wins in two years. They haven't had much success at all, and it seems like you know after every game it's it's like a, a new feeling for them. You know, oh this is win number five. What does this feel like? And you know this is win number four. <laughs> What does this one feel like? So every game, it's almost like a little celebration out there. And now to put it out there and, and be able to showcase, you know, on a big stage. And there's probably a lot of people at Spotswood and maybe other p- places that are going to come to this game on Friday night that haven't got to see this TA team in person. This is an opportunity for them to show to more people, hey, we're, we're the real deal and we can play too. If you're – if you're, uh, let's put your coaching cap on, Cody. Oh, boy. Yeah, yeah I know, I know. If you're, what, if you're Turner Ashby's defensive coordinator – what are you keying on? Friday? I, I don't think you can do that. I, th- I think I, I talked to to Dale and I talked to Mark Post and the Rockbridge County coach last week about that. I feel like if you try to focus on one thing, you're going to get exposed 
really badly in another. Um, you know, if, if you sit there and say we're going to take Rob Smith and those and those outside receivers out of the game, um, we're going to force them to run it. Well, we all know what Ethan Barnhart's capable of. And then if you if you focus on Ethan and Ben Conahan and Cole Myers in those run game, well, Ryan High is probably the best quarterback in the district and has shown he can throw it. Um, I think you basically just got to try to maintain the whole game. You got to try try and force some turnovers. You got to hope that you can get a fumble here or there or, or force Ryan to throw a pick. Um, I think the biggest thing for them is trying to maintain momentum early. I think if you find yourself in an early hole, which is exactly what Rockbridge did, um, you know you're you're pretty much done. I, I, they're a team that I don't think you can come back against if they're in an early deficit. Um, I think they've got to try to get off to a fast start, uh, maintain possession on, for them offensively, um, and and just try to keep spots off the field because the, the more they're on the field, the more dangerous they are. Um, we've seen how many points they can put up. TA's got to control the clock and and use that run game. Grant Swine. Hart's got to have a huge night, in my opinion, if they're going to win. Uh, keep, the coaching, keep the coaching cap on there, Cody. Uh, your spots was defensive coordinator. What do you do to slow down Turner Ashby? Uh, I think you want to force them to throw it, and that's not to say Haskins hasn't shown the ability to throw. C.J. Haskins has obviously done a very good job, and last week he, he really exposed Broadway in that aspect. Um, I think the one hope that if your spots would – um, you know, outside of a couple big plays, or probably actually did a better job even in the second half against that passing attack from from TA. Um, I think you want to try and force it through the air. Uh, you you want to see you want to challenge your, those spots with defensive backs. They've done pretty well so far this year. Um, let's see what, the, what how they do against you know Nico Valet and, and, and CJ Haskins and Brandon Onstack and all these guys. Um, that, that those guys have shown the ability to throw the ball. They haven't done it consistently for an entire game where they're throwing it 15 20 times a game so i'd i'd be interested to see how they handle that um and i think if, if the, your spots would that's the way you want to go because i think grant swinehart over the past three weeks has really really stepped up his game um he struggled a little bit in the second half last week but that's because broadway was focusing their entire intention on him i think if you know if you are trying to let grant swinehart be the one to beat you i think he, he's capable of doing so yeah yeah uh I don't want to play uh, the, uh, the the recent card, but I'm just kind of curious when the last time Spotswood and Turner Ashby met that would have the kind of electric, electric crowd I think we're expecting Friday night. Uh, I'm sure it's been a while. I mean, you think for the past decade, Turner Ashby's you know, has struggled for the most part. In a few years that they had some decent seasons in there, um, Spotswood had went through some struggles as well um, in the final years before Dale Shiflett came over. So, um, yeah, it's probably been quite some time. This is a game that, that that still has a little bit of meaning in terms of rivalries and stuff. I mean, I remember last year talking to those guys, even when TA was just a two-win team. Um, those two teams, are they're still, you know, they've still got that Rockingham County rivalry to them. And, um, yeah, now you add this in. I think this should be a great atmosphere on Friday night. Uh, let's switch gears here. The other uh, city county, or the yeah, the other city versus county or city county game, is uh, over at Harrisonburg uh, Broadway. Uh, still looking for win number one. Goes over to Harrisonburg, a team that uh, you know uh, it looks like to be starting to click again. But then Waynesboro will do that to you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, it, it, it's hard to take away a whole yeah. lot from games like that. Um, but I do think the biggest thing is we are still continuing to see them develop um, offensively. You know. All, They've got several different guys contributing now. Um, Quentin Smiley, we kind of talked about last week. We thought he was due for a big game. He ended up having one. Um, and this is another game where I can see him having um, a lot of success. Um, last year he had a huge game against Broadway. Um, his speed is something that Broadway might struggle with a little bit. Um, but on the flip side of that, Broadway I think has, you know, it, you do look at the scoreboard last week, they lost 35-7. to It's hard to, to see why they would feel positive. But there were a, a lot of good things that came out of that game for them. I thought, you know, 
for most of the second half or in the entire second half and in the final three or four minutes of that second quarter last week against Turner Ashby, um, you know, they, they played right there with them. I mean, it was a seven, seven game the rest of the way. Um, Brent Hulse was just dominant on the defensive line. I was as good of a defensive tackle or a performance out of a defensive tackle that I've seen um, in quite some time. I mean, he was single-handedly just, just shutting down that Turner Ashby offense. And then, um, you know, you, you saw some things in the passing game. Now, you would obviously like for Cole Hoover to be a little bit more efficient. He was only completing about 33% of his passes, but he, he got some things going. Um, you know, I think Nate Tennell is a, is a really a, a big player for them at that receiver spot. Um, some other guys stepped up. They started using the tight end a little more. Braden Smith, um, he was really effective last week. So just some little things like that that we've talked about before. All they're trying to do now is find stuff to build on and improve upon. That's enough to, I think, gave them a little bit of a hope that, hey, if we can play two quarters like this, why can't we put four together? Um, you know, and, and I don't know that they go into this as the favorite against Harrisonburg or anything, but I think, you know, at least moving forward, they've, they've got some belief again that, that maybe they didn't have a week or two ago. And it's two young teams. I mean, yeah. so that's another, I mean, I'm not, once again, I mean, I, I still don't think Broadway goes in as the favorite, but if you're looking for an intangible here, it's the fact that Broadway and Harrisburg both both young teams and are both and and now Broadway's looking at a team on the other side of the football that might be just as prone to some mistakes as they are. Yeah, and I mean we've seen that with Harrisburg too. Harrisburg it was the same story for them early on in the season. They were having a lot of a lot of trouble with keeping the ball and and not turning it over. And, and Broadway was dealing with the same thing. Um, Broadway's issues lasted a little longer than Harrisburg's did, but now I think Broadway started to clean that up a little bit. And you know this could be a game where maybe it ends up closer than we thought. And you know. Two young teams, you, if Broadway forces a couple turnovers early or, or, or get, finds themselves in a dogfight a little bit, maybe they can come out with a win. Uh, the other city-county game is uh, Page County uh, making a trip to Elkton to, to face uh, East Rock. This is a little bit of rivalry. These two schools are separated by, what, about 12 miles, if mm-hmm. even that? Yeah. Uh, and I could be, uh, could be way off on that, and I'm not going to pull up uh, MapQuest just now. Uh, I mean, East Rock, tough loss last week to Strasburg. Uh, Page County is back-to-back shutouts against much lesser opponents. Let's let's be real here, but they're still a good football team uh, taking the last two weeks out of the equation. But this is kind of shaping up to be a decent football game. Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, the biggest thing for East Rock is – it's not a must win, but it, it, you're getting close to that territory now. You're sitting at two and four. Um, they're 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 barely hanging on to that number eight spot right now in Region Two B, and and obviously they've met, they've had eight straight playoff appearances before this year. They want to keep that streak intact. Um, so that's something that's probably in the back of their minds. Um, last week, I know you know just reading uh, Tommy's story from the game at Strasburg, Donnie seemed like. He was he was kind of dissatisfied with with the way they played because they did a lot of the things that they talked about not doing and they didn't they didn't do very much of what they had put in their game plan for the week um, and, and didn't you know execute very well um, so I think you want to see he probably wants his team to get back on track they're facing like I said not a must win but pretty close to it at this point in the season and if if they want to keep that playoff streak intact and then for Page County like you said you know they they have the upset whenever Strasburg they got blown out by Larray. Um, outside of that, their their wins, while they have been impressive in terms of lopsided scores, they haven't really faced a ton of um, significant challenges yet. So this is an opportunity for them against a team that's been in the playoffs eight straight years, a program that's known for winning, to kind of come out, show that they're the real deal this year, and they're, and they're a legitimate playoff team um, this season. Uh, one last quick question for you, Cody, and, and let's go back to Spotswood. You're one of these Valley District football coaching hat back on as well. You're one of these Valley District football coaches. You see what Spotswood goes down the Rockbridge and does to the Wildcats. What are you thinking? 
Well, you know, I think it's funny because I think, you know, us in the media, we, you know, we enjoy those matchups. And obviously that was eye-opening for, I think, everyone around the area um, with what Rockbridge was expected to be this year. Um, but the more I've spoke to some coaches and stuff, you know, I think that maybe have, was more of a uh, mismatch problem for Rockbridge than it was um, anything else. I think that, you know, Spotswood just simply has the better team there. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there's no doubt, you know, at the end of the day, they, they went down to Rockbridge. It's still a, a solid Rockbridge team with four wins under their belt. To beat them by 45, um, you know, that – it's something I think it just confirms what we've thought all year that Spotswood was kind of in a league of its own. We've said that since the beginning of the season. Um, that certainly uh, showed that last Friday. Uh, TA, I think we'll have a chance here to maybe, maybe change that narrative a little bit. But you know, if, if they get another lopsided win this week, I don't. I don't think there's any question they're running away with that district this year. I don't know much, but I know this much: when you see the Shen Valley Seven Thursday, it's going to be pretty shook up, and probably when you see it again next week, it's going to be shook up again as well. That's probably yeah. A good I, guess. I've received about half the votes already, and it's it's definitely looking a little different than it has in, in the past few weeks. As he glares at me because I haven't put my vote <laughs> in yet. <laughs> Nobody from the DNR staff has submitted their vote, <laughs> so well, you're good. Uh, I'll, I'll get on that one, Cody. Thanks for joining us as always, and. Uh, uh, have fun out there at Football Friday, and we'll talk to all y'all next week.